The reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. That can be found on page 1081 of the few Bibles in front of you. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Good morning. Again, we welcome you for your guests. We're glad that you're with us. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope we can be encouragement to you. We hope everybody is having a great Labor Day weekend, and many will get an extra day off of work and enjoy that, hopefully with family, and it'll be a blessing to you and uh, to each one in your life. And we're thankful for those blessings that God gives us of relationships and building those relationships stronger. And as we think about this quarter, this fall focus of pursuing God's heart, that's exactly what we want to do is grow closer to God. We want to truly hate the things God hates. And we invite you to stay and be a part of our Bible classes that will follow all of the adult classes we'll be studying together. And the theme in this quarter will be out of Proverbs, the sixth chapter of identifying the things God hates. And we want to be people that hates what God hates. But we also want to love what God loves. And so as we come together this quarter in the worship hour, we'll be studying passages that teach us about God's love. And especially, we're going to be looking through 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Seven chapters there. And seven chapters speaks of God's love over and over and over. It's interesting that it's written by an individual who was the disciple who loved Jesus so much and Jesus loved him so much. And so to read the words of one who loved God, loved Jesus so much, and to teach us about God's love. It is a great month that is being planned, and we hope that you're making your plans to be a part of all the things that's happening. Keep in mind, the couples that want to go on the retreat that is mid-October, uh, we need to be signed up for that this week. So be sure and look at the Welcome Center or the Information Center uh, for more information on that. It'll be a wonderful occasion. This is not tied to any particular Bible class. This is hosted by the whole congregation, so make your plans for that. Also, the last Sunday of this month will be our family day. And Leon Barnes will come in, will speak to us that day on family. And then that evening underneath the big tent, you'll remember last year, we'll have a lot of singing that night. It was such a wonderful, wonderful time together. 
be sure and make your plans to be a part of that. There are large postcards out in the foyer that you can pick up to invite your family so that they can mark that date and uh, be available to come schedule-wise for this service. Also, I want to remind you that if you're 6th through 12th grade and the parents of 6th through 12th grade and volunteers that help with the youth group, all of you will have a joint meeting with Philip next Sunday evening, and it'll be a wonderful time to plan uh, things that you'll be doing this semester in uh, the youth group, and it's a wonderful time that he wants your input and is inviting your input, and that'll be a wonderful time uh, for our youth to be together. So be planning on that uh, next Sunday evening. Also, Philip will be preaching next Sunday evening. Finally, as a congregation, we give the glory to God but we are very grateful for the fact that over $37,000 has been contributed to the First John Fund this past week. And what a blessing it is that, that we are blessed so that we can give. And what a blessing it is to be in a congregation that has a heart to give and to help. And what a blessing it is for those who need the benefit of that, that God is providing that way. All we want to be is God's conduit. And we want to make sure that God is working through us and everything. Do you remember those almost magical words when you were a child and someone that you loved to hear stories maybe would sit on the edge of your bed or maybe there was that, that certain teacher in preschool that at story time just had that ability to say these words once upon a time and your mind would just go back to a fairy tale land it was in a dream world. It was where giants lived and castles were wonderful places to call home. It was a dreamland where there were a lot of happiness and a lot of thrills. And in the end, everything ended up exactly the way it was supposed to be. And then one day, you became old enough that you realized it was just a dream world. It was a fairy tale. And it was almost a rude awakening. This isn't for real. And then you began a journey searching for things that were real. And many adults have found another fairy tale that they think is real. And many never find anything beyond a life that says, if I can just find real entertainment and be thrilled, I will have found the real life. If I can just have a lot of possessions, if I can have a strong physical makeup, if I can have all the, the possessions that are the latest fashion styles, if I can have power, if I can have popularity, if I can have prestige, I will have arrived. The book of Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, he was the richest man in the land. He was very highly educated. He sought all of these things. And finally at the end, he concluded that they all were vanity. Why? Because these things aren't real either. These things are temporary. All the things that we put so much effort in, and, and if we're not careful, we'll be as foolish as a little child believing that a fairy tale is real. We'll think that a certain size paycheck or a certain size house or a certain size retirement is what is real about successful living. And there'll come a day that we'll wake up. And we'll recognize that that's not real either. And hopefully we'll recognize that before that final day of judgment. Because there are things that are eternal. There are things that are real. And everything that is, that is permanent, everything that is eternal, is based upon one fact as it relates to us. 
John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's real. God's love is real. God's love offering His Son, that really happened. That Son offering us salvation so that we can live for an eternity with God, that's real. And that is what matters. I think about the story of of the man who gave his mother and father the nicest microwave that was on the market. And they were so thrilled about it. And when he brought it and set it in their home, and and they just couldn't believe all of the latest features that they didn't even know a microwave had. And he would punch buttons and show them different things. And, And so the day or two that he stayed there, they thought this was the best gift on earth. And then he left and he went home. And they found out as they stared through that digital display that it might as well have been the instruments on a cockpit of a jet plane. They didn't know how to operate any of it. And later she was explaining to her friend, she said, you know, our smiles turned to frowns when our son left home. said, we thought that was the greatest gift, but what we realized was that that gift should have come with our son and it would have been just right. Do you realize that that is the beauty of every spiritual blessing that you can name? Just think of a spiritual blessing. You can't separate it from the Son. We love the church. I think that, that, that the members of this congregation especially loves the church. We love each other. We enjoy being together. We support each other. But what's the church without Christ? It's nothing. We love the hope of eternal life, but what's hope without Christ? It's nothing. We love the fact of thinking about having a relationship with a father, but is there really the possibility of a relationship with the father without the son? This morning I ask you to consider with me 1 John, the first chapter. And as we look at 1 John, the first chapter, we see God's love. And we see that God's love sent Jesus. And God's love sent Jesus, which means it gives me Life. It's interesting to think about John, the writer. He is the one who wrote the Gospels. He's also the one who wrote the epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that we'll be studying this month and I want to, this quarter. And I want to encourage you to start reading through those epistles and read them often. And then he's also the one who wrote Revelation. And notice he begins each of his books, especially the first chapter of 1st. John, the first chapter of John, the first chapter, and even some of what he mentions in Revelation, the first chapter, there's all a great emphasis upon Jesus. Look with me again, if, if you will, and, and let's read verse 1, and, and I want you to notice something here as he takes verse 1 and then makes a transition in the middle of verse 2. John is saying, that which was from the beginning, so in other words, say he wasn't created in the beginning, he's been there since the beginning, which we have heard... We have seen, we have looked upon, and with our hands we have handled. Concerning what? The word of life. And notice word is capitalized. And and we're going to see in just a minute, minute, and you may already remember. In John, the first chapter, Jesus was was called word. In other words, Jesus is the message from God coming to this earth, manifested in flesh. And the word became flesh. And so... John, an apostle, is writing here and he says, listen, 
We've heard the word. In other words, we've listened to Jesus talk. We've seen the word. We have seen Jesus live the way Christians are to live. We've actually handled the word. We've touched Jesus. We've hugged Jesus. We've taken the Lord's Supper with Jesus. We've praised God with Jesus. We've gone on mission trips with Jesus. They had handled, they had had a relationship with God in flesh. He says it's in that. John is saying, I can stand before you today and I can tell you about the word of life. And you see what they saw and what they experienced is notice in verse 2 and in verse 3 is what is declared. Notice in verse 2, the life was manifest. In other words, it was shown and we have seen and bear witness. And notice this, and declare to you that eternal life which the Father has manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that also you may have fellowship with us. You see what John is saying? John is saying all of these things that we've seen and heard and handled, we've received it. It's been made known to us. It's been manifest to us. And now we turn as apostles and we declare all of this same word of the life to you. Look, if you will, in John, the first chapter, and let's notice how he wrote it in this. And what I'd like for us to do is just scan just a few verses out of John, the first chapter, to see how it became known to them and how they spread it around. In John 1 and 1, we have Jesus being called the Word again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, so God became flesh. Notice 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, that's among us. He didn't dwell far, far away in a fairy tale land. This is real. We could see him. We could touch him. We could hear him. This life is real. He dwelt among us. And notice, John can't help but say this. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We couldn't help but see he's very different. He wasn't like us. He was full of grace. He was full of truth. He was God on earth. And when we look down to verse 29, when John the Baptist saw him, notice how John described him. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Friends, this is real. Jesus really came to this earth. And John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest prophet that ever lived, looks upon Jesus and says, This is the one. The Lamb had been slain every Passover. And now there was going to be the ultimate lamb of God. The son of God would serve as the final lamb that would ever be slain. Andrew and John. Now when we talk about John here, we're not talking about John the Baptist. We're talking about the John we're reading from this morning. The one who wrote the gospels and the epistles. I want you to imagine the lamb of God is walking forward. John the Baptist is identifying who it is. And Andrew and John are there. And in 35... They're standing there in 36. He says again, behold the Lamb of God. And in 37, they begin to follow him. And Jesus turned to him in 38 and said, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said, look in 39, come and see. And they came and they saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. And after spending the day with him in 41, he found his own brother, talking about Andrew. He found Simon and said, we have found the Messiah. Friends, do you see what's happening here? John the Baptist is saying, look, that's the Lamb of God. And Andrew and John are saying, we want to see. 
And as Jesus walks along, they begin to follow him. He turns around and says, what are you seeking? We're looking for a master. We're looking for a teacher. And notice Jesus' words, come and see. They went. They spent time hearing, seeing, handling Jesus, having a real relationship with him. And from there they ran and he told his brother, he declared to his brother the things that he had experienced. Friends, today, what we're reading, we are reading the words of individuals' accounts of what they really experienced. They experienced an amazing relationship with God. If you would be turning to Acts, the 26th chapter, and that relationship became so real to them while God was on earth. Acts, the 26th chapter. Paul is under arrest for this time. He is eventually on his way to Rome and he needs paperwork. Just as today, prisoners have paperwork. He needs paperwork that will tell why he's under arrest and what it could be that he is guilty of that might be worthy of death. And King Agrippa has him in his custody, but he doesn't know how to fill out the paperwork. So he decides to call Paul in front of him allow Paul to give an account of, of his side of the story and in hopes that that will reveal how he can fill out this paperwork. And it's in this setting that he tells how at the beginning of his life, he persecuted Christians. And then that bright light shone down and the Lord identified himself as the one that Paul was persecuting. And it was then that he changed his life and he become he became a Christian and, and became one who was willing to give his life for the Lord. It's in this setting that toward the end of his talk, he begins to talk about the suffering in 23 that Jesus Christ would do and how he'd be raised from the dead. And when he did this, this was very offensive to Festus. Now pause here for just a moment. Maybe all of us in this room have heard about the resurrection most of our life and, and it doesn't surprise us to think about a resurrection and it may not be hard for us to imagine. But there have and still are individuals that have a very great difficulty in believing in a resurrection. Literally, the Christians had made such a powerful and persuasive proof of the resurrection and you already know why the proof was so great. It's because everybody saw the resurrected Lord. And so... It really agitated those who still wanted to make a statement saying there is no resurrection. And so Festus was okay as long as Paul was talking about Christianity, as long as he didn't bring up the resurrection. And when he mentioned the resurrection, Festus cried out in a loud voice telling him that much learning is driving you mad. And in 25, he answered and said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention. Since this thing was not done in a corner. Now that's powerful. Now after that, he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, accept these chains. Do you see what is happening here? 
He's wanting to say, you can't talk mad talk around us. We're dignified people. We're highly educated people. Don't tell us about a Christ that suffered and died and then some way rose again. We won't fall for that madness. And he says, I don't speak madness. I speak truth. And the fact is, you know good and well, not even the king that is standing to your side can deny that these things happen. Why? He goes to proof. This thing was not done in a corner. What do you do with something when you don't want to admit it? You put it in the corner of your mind. What do you do with something that someone's given you as a decoration, but you don't like it, but you know you have to put it out in your house because they're going to be coming to your house? You put it back in the corner of the room. What do you do when you want something to be first and foremost in your mind? You bring it front and center. What do you do when you want something to be seen very well? You could place it in front, right in front, so everybody could see it. Do you realize what Paul is saying here to Agrippa and to Festus? He's saying the resurrected Lord, you know you can't disagree with that. It wasn't done in a corner. When Jesus Christ was born, it wasn't in a corner of a manger so none of the world could see. The angels from heaven announced it and even kings pursued him. His death upon the cross wasn't in some corner outside the gates of a city so no one could see. Instead, it was the place where literally on that day, the Lord shook the earth and cracked the rocks. It was the day they rent the temple from top to bottom. It was the day that the dead were resurrected and set in their graves. It was the day that it was darkness from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon. The whole world knew something huge had happened. And not only that, the resurrection. No one could miss the fact that there was a resurrected Lord. The tomb was found empty. Word was spread throughout all of Jerusalem. First to the women, then to the men. And finally in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, we see that not only a week later, my bad, in John the 21st chapter, a week later, 20th chapter, he comes to Thomas and he shows him his hands. He shows him his side. A week later, he shows Thomas this and then he has breakfast with the disciples. And then 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, tells us that on one occasion... The resurrected Lord stood before 500 people and showed himself as the resurrected Lord. Friends, this thing wasn't done in a corner. And so what is John saying? John is saying there are things that have been shown to us. We have seen. We have heard. We have touched God on earth. We saw him live We listened to his teachings. We saw him die. We witnessed his burial. We saw him resurrected. We watched as as he was ascending into heaven as the promise was told to us, he'll come again. Friends, do you realize when we go back to 1 John, our text, do you realize what John is doing here? Literally the first three or four verses, he's literally saying, There is so much what we experienced. I want you to know the love of Jesus. I want you to know that the love that God has for us in sending Jesus, He was life. Jesus is life. And He came so that we could know that life and we could experience that life and we could receive that life as a wonderful gift from God. But notice this second thing in verse 4. I'm sorry, at the end of verse 3 He says... And we have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, 
Jesus Christ. Fellowship. The apostle says we have fellowship with God who has fellowship with Jesus. And he says, I'm telling you these things so you can be invited in and you can have fellowship with us. This morning as we close this lesson, let's go to Romans the 8th chapter. Look with me if you will to Romans the 8th chapter. Do you understand how valuable and how beautiful it is to have fellowship with God? What does that mean? In Romans the 8th chapter, we get just another glimpse of some wonderful teachings about fellowship with God. As we think about this, I want you to notice that in 1 John, he said fellowship with the Father. It's interesting that in that short five chapters, 13 times, John calls God the Father. Out of all the ways that God could describe his relationship with us, he wants us to think of him being our father and us being his children. In other words, he wants us to think of a relationship that is close. He wants fellowship. He wants to share with us. And now when we look in Romans the 8th chapter, if you will, look at verse 14 and following. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So see, there's two things. We can either be in bondage of sin or we can be a son of God. We can, be, we can cry out because we're in bondage or we can cry out in praise because God is our Father. Now notice when God is our Father, what's going to happen in 16 and 17? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joints. See, we're sharing joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. Here, he says, think about this fellowship. Well, what kind of fellowship is it? He says, it's not just fatherhood and, and children, but he cries out with the Aramaic word, Abba, which is, which is a very close, kindred, loving, tender word. It's an intimate word. Like we might say, to someone else, that's my father. And then when we walk up to our father, we may say, Daddy, why do we do that? Because he's not just any father. He's our daddy. We can be adopted, and the fellowship can be so close that we know him. We know he is our father. And when we think about the inheritance, he says, I want you to see that it's not just that you inherit something. I've heard individuals say, and I've probably said something like it before in my life, where say, you know, I believe heaven is going to be so great, I don't care if it's a little shack on the outskirts of town, I just want to be there. Well, you know what? If we're children of God... There's no shack on the outskirts of town for the children of God because if we believe that, that would mean God would place Jesus in a little shack on the outskirts of town because we are joint heirs with Jesus. We literally are adopted as children of God and we share in the same inheritance as God's child, Jesus. 
Now, I don't know right now if it's easier for you to believe a fairy tale if I say once upon a time or to believe that you really can receive an inheritance that shares in what Jesus receives. That's so hard to believe that John wrote over and over about things like that and felt the need to say, I just want you to know that what I'm telling you about, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've handled the Lord, it's real. And what I'm manifesting and making known to you are the things that's been manifested to me this morning. Does it really resonate within your heart when you hear the words that God loves you so much that He sent His Son? And He did that because He wants us to have fellowship with Him, not only now, but for an eternity. He wants us to come home. God's entire plan of sending Jesus is to get His children home. This morning, are, are you on your way home? Do you know that life eternal that comes through Jesus? Do you know that fellowship from being so close to your Father? Please understand, fairy tales aren't real. All the temporary things of this earth are not permanent. But everything that Jesus offers is worth giving our all. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.